I have measured out my life with video games. Hello friends, and welcome to episode 2 of season 2 of So Poetry. Um, this is kind of a special episode, because it marks the first of the So Poetry On series, um, which I affectionately refer to as my talkies, um, because it's just going to be me talking about stuff. Um, as I mentioned, also, well, first, I apologize for the rustles of things. I'm currently sitting on my bed, um, so there will probably be, the more I move around, the more that you will probably hear soft, like, this sounding stuff. I'll try to keep that to a minimum. Um, but yeah, I mentioned in, uh, I think the last official, well, the last addendum of season one, that I'd be trying out this format, um, because there's some things that I would like to, some opinions of, that I'd like to express, or just some things that I'd like to talk about, that I could write about, um, but I'm kind of resentful, I guess, of the time that it would take, more or less, to, to write about these things, um, so I'm going to try just talking about them and see how that goes, because uh, it's, I guess it's easier for me to, I don't know, even though this would take talking and doing a podcast episode would probably take about as much time, if not longer, than to write them out, it feels easier somehow to just talk about these things, um, plus it gives me more fodder for um, podcast episodes, so I'd can give um, my listeners, you all, more than just one a month, um, but I don't necessarily have to track down other people to talk to um, in the span of a month. Plus, I'm going to try to keep these episodes to a max of maybe like 30 minutes or so to give some variation um, and also just so I don't overload you all with, you know, four plus hours of content a month because um, I would like for y'all to actually enjoy listening to these and I know that there are probably other podcasts that you would like to listen to or other things that you have to do so I'll try to keep these short and sweet and more to the point um, not so many tangents um, because each of these have a particular theme um, this one being video games specifically two um, uh, Hyperlight Drifter and Shovel Knight. Um, so I'll get into the nitty gritty of those in a little bit. Um, but I guess I should maybe uh, use a disclosure. Um, I'm not a gamer at all. I would not. I would not consider myself a gamer. I have never really been a part of gamer culture. Um, I definitely played games when I was younger. Um, I grew up with a Sega Genesis and a Super Nintendo, um, and then a Nintendo 64 later on, and a Dreamcast, which I'm not proud that I own, you know, along with Game Gear and Game Boy and some of the handheld stuff. Um, and there are maybe, I don't know, five or six games that I played, or that my brother and I played with any sort of faithfulness or regularity or persistence when we were younger. Um, Super Mario World is one of them. That is one of my all-time favorite games and probably my favorite Mario game. Um, the Sonic, like the first four Sonic games, um, specifically Sonic 3, locked into Sonic and Knuckles, locked into a Game Genie so we could exploit the crap out of all the things we could do. Um, my brother and I actually had a ritual that the first day of autumn, uh, we would play at least the first level of Sonic and Knuckles, the uh, Mushroom Hill Zone, because it felt autumnal to us. Um, we played 
um, Mario or Mario Kart 64 for the racing, um, Mario Kart for the SNES for the battling. Um, there's actually one summer that my brother and I played maybe, I don't know, like 20 or 30 matches a night. Um, and we got to the point that we could glitch out the game, uh, pull some like matrix level stuff, uh, with hopping and disrupting the path of red shells and being able to curve green shells and stuff and hopping over banana peels and all, you know, like all this crazy stuff. Um, that was those games were primarily it. Um, we had bouts with Vector Man. We had a, a pinball dreams game for the Super Nintendo that we played occasionally. Um, my brother, uh, before strategy guides, um, spent like two or three summers mapping out uh, Jurassic Park for the Super Nintendo. Super super detailed maps um, that he then copied and sent to my uncle because my uncle couldn't beat the game. Um, but he like figured out all the things that you needed to do um, in what order that you needed to do things. It was crazy. I, I became his co-pilot, essentially, um, which I think probably led to my um, enjoyment of watching other people play video games. I would, I would sit and watch Matthew play, my brother, play um, Jurassic Park for hours and hours and hours. Uh, uh, Cruising USA was another game that I would sit and watch him play because um, I was interested in the gameplay and interested in the experience of it but I had really no desire to play these games and that kind of um, has since continued uh, or has continued throughout my life um, but it's only been in the last ooh, I don't know like four or five years that I found kind of an outlet of that or for that online um, via Let's Plays on YouTube. Um, I think I found Tetraninja first because um, I've had, so post, you know, old school systems, I've had brief stints of playing Assassin's Creed, um, maybe one or two other games um, that my roommates have had my various roommates have had. And I think in trying to figure out something in one of the Assassin's Creed games, I discovered Tetra Ninja's Let's Play channel. Um, and, you know, just enjoyed watching him play through, like, um, Bioshocks and all the, the, Assassin, the, all the Assassin's Creed's. Those hold a special place for him. Um, the Mass Effects, um, the newer Zelda's, um, the newer Pokemon, um, and then, I don't know how, but I discovered, uh, the Game Grumps, who I have since got my partner hooked on, um, which feeds sort of, like, different things for me, that I, I watch Tetra Ninja's channel for essentially the gameplay, like, he does some commentary, but it's just him playing through these games, um, so in order for me to keep kind of up with, current games and systems and the different things that are that are going on i'll watch his stuff um the game grumps is more for just the enjoyments and the interactions between annie and darren no sorry danny and aaron wow um and all the other people on the channel um like there's a uh ross and barry are playing through earthbound um which is a or yeah um which i think is mother two in japanese in the Japan, um, but they, like, that's, that's a huge, huge part of Nintendo's history as in, in gaming, and I've, I've heard things about it, and I've seen clips of it, but I've never actually, like, I've never played through the game, and I've never, um, watched it, like, watched anybody play it through, because, like, RPG, growing up, RPGs were not a thing that my brother and I played, and I really didn't have any interest in it, in them, aside, outside of, uh, Pokemon, that I have a long sordid history with, but I will get to that later. Probably not this episode, but in maybe another one. Um, but anyway, so um, I just, that's more for entertainment and more for enjoyment. Um, just because they're, they're funny and they play obscure games and it's not so much that they're playing it for completion, it's just the experience of these games, some of which are 
either excruciatingly, excruciatingly difficult or just terrible. Um, see Sonic and the Black Knight or any of the recent Sonic games on the Game Grumps um, playlists, and you will you will know what I mean. Um, so I, the so I'm I'm going to talk about Hyperlight Drifter and Shovel Knight and kind of my experiences with them. Um, and this may be kind of a game review, um, maybe. Um, I don't know if I necessarily feel qualified to review games on like a, a gamer level, um, but I'm I've been dealing with like English in a creative like literature or writing in a creative sense um, forever, and I've been watching the kind of like a steady progression of games um, since maybe. 2010 2011 um so even though i haven't personally played them i feel like i have a pretty good grasp of, like of an observer at least like how like the um some of the more recent movements in in gameplay and game style um and just kind of i'm I have a, a vocabulary and I'm illiterate, I think, as far as games go. Um, I've never reviewed games before. I've, I've never really talked about them with other people. Um, you know, aside from, like, talking um, Fallout 4 shit with some friends and, you know, keeping up on how their campaigns are going. Um, my partner's currently going through the first Mass Effect. So it's fun to talk her talk with her about some of the, the like the plot points and the things that I know are coming up because I've watched playthroughs of of all of all the games in the trilogy. Um, so this is this is kind of a, a first for me, um, and I have some other ideas of gaming in like the the gaming culture and gaming in the larger culture, um, at least in the United States, that. Um, there might be another episode's worth of, um, so if people enjoy how I, how I view things and what my opinions or my points of view are, um, give me some feedback. Um, not a whole lot of people give me feedback <laughs> when I ask for it. Um, I don't know if it's just, there's, I'm, I've not been good at publicizing a way for people to get in touch with me or not, but I will, I will see what I can do. Um, but yeah, let me, let me know. Um, I'm open to critiques. Um, I want to make this experience, the podcasting experience, good for everyone. Um, yeah. So I mean, in in general, if there's if there's if you would like to hear me more, talk more about my views of gaming, let me know. Um, if not, this would be just kind of a one-off thing, and the other ideas that I have might actually turn into an article. I'm feeling a little more amenable to actually writing stuff. But, whatever. So, um, the first game that I'd like to talk about, which is kind of the impetus for this, I, for talking about games and thinking about games and a kind of a... Sorry. My breakfast is coming up on me. Um, the game that, that started me thinking about games critically and my experience playing them critically was Hyperlight Drifter, um, which, for those of you who don't know, um, was an indie game that was kickstarted. Um... It was in development. Well, the Kickstarter, I think, met its goal in 2014, but the game didn't come out until earlier this year. Um, it's wonderful. It's one. I think it's. It was the first thing I ever kickstarted. Um, so I, you know, I I got to the level that I I got a copy of the game and the soundtrack and the art book and stuff. Um, and I have clocked in about a day's worth of playtime with it. Um, I'm at the final boss. I have attempted to beat it like three or four times. And then stuff kind of just happened. And um, I'm probably incredibly rusty with it now. Um, but... Um, One of the things that I've noticed about recent games, um, it seems to me that they are kind of derivative of each other. Um, or, like, 
maybe not necessarily of each I mean, I think that there's some that are derivative of each other, that they're all kind of within the same vein and they use similar open sandbox um, motifs or certain, um, I don't know, certain actions, lots of quick time events, whatever. Um, but I've also noticed that games in and of themselves throughout the, the, the length and the breadth of the game, you end up kind of doing a lot of the same thing. Like with Assassin's Creed, there's a lot of, um, throughout the main missions, there's a lot of chasing people down, trying to find, you know, you have to find somebody using Eagle Vision in this area and then interrogate them, and then that leads to somebody else that you have to find, and blah, 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 blah. Um, that, at least for me, it seems that in the beginning of the game, there's a lot of new and open, kind of new, fresh things, and those become kind of the standards and the things that you use from then, that point on. Um, the recent, uh, oh, the recent Batman, I think it was Arkham Knight, Arkham City, I don't know, whatever the last one is, um, I think gain, got a lot of criticism for using uh, the Batmobile in this particular way, that you have all these missions that involve the Batmobile, but you do essentially the same thing. You have to beat a bunch of these autonomous robotic tank things, or you use them, use the Batmobile to solve all these Riddler puzzles, which it seems weird that the Riddler would have all these specs and know that you would need to use the Batmobile. So as like a story, um, as a vehicle for the story, it's kind of shaky, and then as just a vehicle for gameplay, it seems like it, they rely heavily on that, that there's not um, like you, you have a whole world to explore, but you are limited to the ways that you can explore. Like you can't use the Batmobile to blow open a, a side of a building to get in to go beat these villains. It's a lot of um, like you have to you have to clear villains out by using the same stealth methods that you've always used. And yeah, there are new villains that can detect when you're using your your Batman signal or whatever and you have to take them out first or there's healers that you have to take out or they'll revitalize the other the other ones but it's there's not all there's not uh, a sense of kind of newness or a sense of wonder to it um Hyperlight Drifter has that sense of newness and that sense of wonder at least in my in my playing of it um each I mean you have a certain certain um, you have a limit of what you can do. You can drift, you can slash, you can shoot. That's about it. You get some upgrades to allow you to different, you know, you have a more powerful slash, you can charge it up, you can use the drifting to deflect things which help you when you have enemies that shoot projectiles and stuff at you. Um, but you're limited in the amount of things that you, like you have, you're, you're limited to your arsenal. So you have to be kind of creative in the ways that you use them. Um, so even though it's like a hack and slash, like some of the older Zeldas, um, you know, there might be a section of, you have these, um, I mean, this is one of the things, you have these little panels that when you step on them, they shoot up flames, and there's a, like a key, or like a gear bit or whatever that you, that you need to get in order to unlock some things or get into like boss levels or whatever. Um, and you have to drift over these things and follow a particular pattern to get to this point and then get yourself back. Um, and it's challenging. It requires skill, like, um, which, so, well, there's, there's innovativeness in how the levels are laid out and how you use your skills. There's a, um, I don't know if they would necessarily grow, like if it, there's a learning curve, um, from each level, like level to level. Some of them are definitely feel like they're easier because there's not as many enemies or the enemies are a little bit, um, they're easier to deal with. Um, but the the game is broken up into f uh, four main sections. You have a north, a south, an east, and a west. Um, and each of them have their own challenge. Like the north is mountains and you have um, bird enemies that you can't hit unless they're kind of at like ground level. So you see them swoop in and you can attack them, but if they're hanging out on other sides of the screen, you can't really touch them unless you have a gun that can either, you know, like a homing thing or you can you can laser them. Um, but it, it, I feel like it relies more on 
the gamer's level of skill in a, the in the wielding of their avatar or the drifter in this case um which feels a lot closer to the the difficulty of the old SNES games that I've played um where there will be like one particular section that you keep dying on and you can't get past it until you get good enough to get past it and it's not necessarily you know like Mario Mario can jump he can move, he can run. Various power-ups give him different abilities, you know, like the cape in Super Mario or Super Mario World, Yoshi's Island, whatever. Um, where you can fly and you can break blocks and stuff with the cape. But if there's a section where there are a bunch of enemies that are like you know, you have it's a timing thing that you have to time it right to jump, or if it's a precision thing, until you get good enough at getting that precision down, you won't get past it. Um, so it's not it's not a limitation of the character in the universe of the game. It's a limitation on how well you control it. Um, and I imagine like I've I've played a little bit of um, Zelda: uh, Link to the Past, and I've, my partner um, has played a bit of it too. And it seems like that it's that level of of um, that level of difficulty where if you're in you're in this place and you have enemies coming at you from all sides you have to be the one to strategize and figure out how to take them out and a lot of it is just you know it's like you can be overwhelmed with numbers but if you know that you can hang out in one side of the 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 screen and draw all of your enemies in one direction or that if you if you hit them like you get damage boost or something like that you know, it's like you, you start figuring out the quirks and the, the ways that you can do this stuff. And if you know that, if you keep dying in one spot and you know that all the enemies are spawning in the same places and do the same sorts of things, you learn the patterns. So you know how to change your behavior and your action and controlling the character based upon what the, the um, enemies do. Which is something that um, Hyper Light Drifter is, is great for, that you have enemies that follow different attack patterns. Um, and they all have certain tells to let you know when they're about to do something. So it might take you a little bit to learn what those tells are, but they telegraph it pretty, pretty well. And it's just a matter of being good enough to like avoid, <laughs> avoid them or to turn them into your, to your advantage. Um, and each, each section has, or like each main area has, I don't know, maybe at the most like four or five different enemies that they just keep reusing and repopulating. Um, but sometimes they're in different configurations or there'll be um, like enemies that can shoot homing projectiles on um, platforms that are on the sides of the screen that are separated by a distance and a bunch of enemies in the middle. And it's up to you of whether or not you want to drift over to the, the side platforms and deal with all the enemies on the side and do that to clear them out and just deal with the ones in the middle. Or if you want to quickly dispatch the ones in the middle and then deal with the ones in the side, you know, they both have their advantages and disadvantages. Um, and there's, aside from like certain puzzles, there's many different ways that you can clear out a room um, or clear out a, a board depending upon like your own style of more or less combat. Um, and the different power-ups that you have, and the different things that you that you know how to how to use the, the character with. Like for, when I was playing, um, I leveled up the drift ability so that if I'm drifting, I deflect projectiles that are shot at me, um, which I re used. I relied on um, very very heavily with certain areas because I would use it to just scoot by all these things super super quickly, and either not kill them because you don't really get experience points or anything, uh, anything like that. Or, um, you know, it's like if it was my first time into an area, I would just drift super quick to get a lay of the land. And then you know, like, if I died, then I would at least know where I needed to go or I could start, you know, I could backtrack and deal with things on in more, um, more digestible bites or things that are that are easier for me to deal with than a, a whole mass of stuff coming at me. Um, another really nice aspect of it, which I uh, I greatly enjoyed, which made me think of 
the original original Zelda um, is that it rewards uh, perception and exploration. Um, there are sometimes little tells to let you know if there are hidden places around you, um, but it's really kind of up to you to just um, explore and to just like to be curious. It rewards curiosity. You get keys that unlock doors that give you better power ups or like more uh, better weapons or things that do more damage. You get different cloaks that give you different abilities. Um, and like there's there's nothing to tell you that this is what you need to do. It's just kind of beholden to the player to to be enticed by the world, which the the developers did a very good job of making this a world that you want to to figure out all the nooks and crannies of. It's um, beautifully designed. Um, disaster disaster piece did a wonderful soundtrack. Um, so it's immersive and it you you know. Um, it's not timed. Um, the only thing that limits your abilities to to deal with it, uh, with a with the environment or the amount of enemies that are there and how well you can handle them. Um, but once, like you know, you clear out a room, you're free to just kind of dick around and break a bunch of stuff and just see where things are, and that can open up paths, um, which is what you're supposed to do in the game. Um, I think the game is designed to, to draw you in in that way. Um, and it doesn't really... There's something to be said, I think, about games that teach you how to play them. Um, subtly. Like, not super, super overtly. Um, Aaron from Game Grumps does um, his, like, sequelitis series... Um, the one that he did on Mega Man and Zelda, I think are really, really good. Um, he does a very, very good job of explaining this, this sort of idea of like the game teaching you how to play in a way that is, um, that doesn't feel like handholding. It just kind of shows you what's, what's out there and gives you a little bit of a taste of the things that you can do and makes you want to go do this. Not as... Like in story, you kind of know what the story, but as a as a player, it entices you to want to continue to play the game, because um, there are a lot of games, you know, like Assassin's Creed or I don't know some of the Fallout stuff that there's not a real. Um, it's it's important in story of why the the character is doing whatever it is that they're doing, but there's really not a whole lot of um, enticement on the level of a player to go do whatever it is that you need to do. Um, Shadow of a Colossus, I think, is a good example against that, that, you know, like you, um, you have no instruction, you just go out and explore, and suddenly you have these big monsters that you have to kill, and it's up to you to figure out how to do it. Um, but it's just, it, um, there's an excitement, it's like, it actually feels like an adventure, it feels, I mean, when, it made me kind of think of, um, when I was younger and I would go on bike rides with my brother, and we were, there was real sort of, like no, we didn't have a destination. There's no, there's no game plan that we we just kind of rode around and just see, just to see what was out there, and that's what Hyperlight Drifter feels like to me. It's just it, it's a world that you want to get and just see what's, like what's out there, um, and what's out there at least in the game is a incredibly incredibly stern teacher, um. Like I said, there's really no hand-holding. You're just kind of dropped into this world, and you just wander around, um, and it's up to you to figure out how to deal with enemies and, uh, like, challenges that you encounter, um, which is to say that you will probably die a f significant amount. Um, but there's no... Um, I guess there's no penalty in dying. Um, that's kind of the accepted, you know, it's like you will enter this area and you will probably die five or six times before you complete it. Um, there are tons of autosave places. Usually if you, whenever you enter, like you, whenever you move from one screen to another, it'll autosave. So if you die, you just pop back into the original place. Um, you don't lose anything that you've collected unless you've collected it, um, in between saves and it hasn't gotten a chance to register that it, you know, you pick this thing up. Um, it, 
you know, like you don't, you don't lose time. You don't lose health. You don't lose energy. You just, you just kind of reappear. Um, I mean, the enemies respawn, which is, can be annoying. Um, but you know, it's like, it's just, it's just something that happens when you, when you make a mistake or you don't, you don't have the skill level that you need to, to complete an area. Um, you know, you just, you die and you have to, you, you get sent back a little bit and then you have to move forward again. Um, which feels like for me, the deaths didn't feel like a failure. They just, it felt like a, like you tripped up a little bit. You're like, ah, so close. Um, that it was easy for me to, to pick myself up from and to move on and not anything that was, um, frustrating. Um, because then the time that you, um, the time that you rise to the challenge, you feel like you earn it. Um, that, like, you know, you've put in the time and the effort and the amount of deaths that you've, that you've had to deal with in clearing out an area or the, the boss, um, like there was one, I think it was in the West area. There was a boss that I probably spent a good, maybe two hours trying to defeat. And it was not a level like any sort of strategy or anything. It's like, I, I had a, a basic strategy, but it was a lot of just kind of Hail Mary things that worked out. Um, that if I had to fight him again, I don't know if I could do it, or it might take me another, another set of times to try to do, um, but when I finally beat him, it felt like I had, even though it was kind of a, like a, we had, we both had one last hit on each other and I had to be, happen to be a little bit quicker. It felt authentic and it felt, um, thrilling and, um, like, like I, I had earned it or that it, that, you know, um, it was worth it to me in those moments and felt kind of authentic that it, you know, in in that in that moment, it was really just who was quicker in that moment, and it happened to be me. I was in the right place at the right time, and it I it, it happened. Um, the frustration that I did feel, um, which was a marked difference than the frustration that I felt with Shovel Knight, which I'll get to in a little bit, um, was that I felt frustrated at myself, not at the game. Um, it's like when I was learning. Um, base when I was younger and there was something that I wanted to play or something that I heard that in my head I knew I could do it I just didn't have the skill like my my fingers weren't dexterous enough or I didn't have enough speed or the the coordination to play it um I would always get frustrated at myself not at the instrument or not at the music because I knew that it was me that wasn't at the level that I needed to be at um the game is just this thing like, I mean, the, the, the music or the game or whatever is just this thing that exists out there that is no better or no worse than it, than it can't be any better or worse. It just is. And it's, I have to be the one to, to rise and to get better, to meet it where it is, because it's not going to stoop down to meet me where I am. Um, so there was never a moment that I felt frustrated with the game. It was always a sense of frustration with like a, it's like, you know, fuck. I need to learn to drift better, or I need to to figure out a way to conserve my energy in this one area, so I can, you know, kill these these guys quickly first without getting hit, so I can use my some of my special abilities later on because these enemies are a lot tougher. Um, and there there was always that sense of like if I was better, then I could do this. Um, which I, I think, I don't know, it, it gave me a level of personal investment in the game because I, on top of, um, you know, like because the game was so inviting and it was so lush and it was such, it made me, it made me earn the things that I received, but there was a great sense of satisfaction and payoff when I earned them. Even though I was frustrated at my own abilities, the game made me want to get better. It, I, I wanted to see what else I could do or I wanted to see what else was out there because I knew that if I if I, if I could hone my skills more, then the world would open up to me more. Um, that like if I, if I got better, I could explore more, I could discover more secrets, which the game very heavily built on um, like forcing you to revisit areas. But in the revisiting of them, opening them up, um, which, um, 
I don't know. I can't think of necessarily of a game. I mean, Earthbound is doing that in the playthrough that I'm watching for the Game Grumps. Um, is doing that a little bit. That you gain these abilities and you go back to these these places that you couldn't do things before and now you could do it. And that leads to a greater sense of the game and not necessarily a... It's not optional stuff. It's a... Um, I mean, I guess optional in the sense of that if you don't get this like this particular gun in Hyperlight Drifter, then you know you're not gonna not be able to beat the game. It's just that the gun will make things easier, or you have a, um, you know, you might be able to hit a, a switch on a platform a little bit further away, or you could clear a board easier because you have a spread shot instead of like a sink beam, or you can kill an enemy in one shot where it used to take you three, which. Um, you know, makes you quicker and makes you more powerful and gives you a greater sense of like, oh, these these enemies that gave me such a tr- so much trouble when I was first playing this are nothing now. Um, but um, yeah, that's that was my that was essentially my my experience with the game that there it was this. It felt kind of like a brush a brush a breath of fresh air. Um, this kind of little self-contained world of this game where um, definitely like a, a, a throwback or at least a, like a spiritual successor to a lot of the kind of hallmark Super Nintendo and Nintendo games um, that left lasting impressions. Um, like Zelda, this was this is lifted from the sequelitis episode that the, the original Zelda um, was created with like the oh I don't remember the creator's name I'll I'll see if I can I can find this clip and put it in the description um, that the creator made the game uh, or tried to make the game with the same sense of wonder that he felt when he was younger exploring the woods and exploring caves and stuff um, that this sense it's like you just you have this world and you go explore and you find these things and you get more powerful and it makes you want to find more things because if you see this this big slot of like in your um on your menu if you see that there's this big big space and that whenever you get something new it, it occupies a space you're like oh there's probably all these other things that occupy these spaces and i wonder what they all do and it, it's that that sense of player investment in the game um that i it was wonderful and it was it was um the time that i put into the game didn't feel wasted it felt like i um I don't know that I was doing something. I mean, part of it was I was thinking about um, using my my playing of it as as a means to to talk about my experience with gaming, but kind of I don't know deeper than that. There's a lot of times that I'll do things that I feel like I'm kind of wasting time, um, or that I should be doing something else. And when I was playing Hyperlight Drifter, there was never really a sense of like, oh, I should be doing something else. It was like you know, I'm this game feels worth it to me. I feel like I'm, I'm, it's, it's earned its place of like, you know, this is, this is something that I can do. Um, it also did not feed into my occasionally weird obsessive obsessiveness about certain things. Um, like I could only play the game for so long, usually like maybe an hour or two at the most. And then I would just, it would, it would just feel like it was enough. Like I was just done with that particular session and not because I accomplished what I wanted to do. It was just sort of like, you know, okay, I'm, I've been getting to suck a whole lot now and it's a good time for me to just kind of put this down. And, um, it was really easy to, to put down and come back to because of the automatic saves. Um, and the, the progress feels like it's all of its current so that if you if you put the game down and you start it back up you start exactly more or less where you left off so there's not a whole lot of backtracking that you have to do or anything like that you just you start you pick up where you know it, it's like you pause the game and then unpause it and you're just you're right there um so if anybody has not played it i would highly highly recommend it um i think that it's come out for um actual consoles and not just for the computer um it i think the wii version of it is still maybe in the works um i don't i haven't touched it in a couple of months so there might be i don't know if there's like dlc or there's some new things that they've added or not um but i really i don't know it was 
it was a really wonderful experience. That was the first game that that I I played after my kind my more or less of like gaming fast, um, and really got me into thinking about this stuff critically because um, I know that I said earlier that it doesn't really teach you how to play, um, which is I mean it's true. It's like you just you're just kind of thrown into it, but um, like if you notice, but if you notice a a secret area or uh, like a hidden path, there's usually kind of some markers that denote that that path is there, which then teaches you, it's like, oh, there's one, either things that I should look out for that denote secret passage passages or other areas that I can get to, or two, just the fact that these things exist make you want to explore all the areas that you come across because there's always potentially just one random thing that you could find that would unlock either like more gear bits or another key or a weapon or something. Um, so the, in that sense, which is kind of what I was trying to, I was trying to get to about the whole being rewarded for exploring. It's like you get, you get this sense of like, Oh, I need to go find all these secret things because it makes the gameplay for me easier because I can become more powerful and I can, I can handle stuff easier. It's not all these things that are, that used to be threats are not so much threats anymore. Um, but yeah, so that's that's been my experience with Hyperlight. Um, maybe over Christmas or towards the end of the year, I might try to beat the game. Um, but part of me kind of wants to leave it unbeaten. Um, I mean, I know how it ends, but I don't know. It's like a book that you don't that you really enjoy that you don't want to end because then it's over. Um, although, as part of the um, kickstarting it. I have access to a different drifter that I can't use until I beat the game. So that's, in that sense, there's a little bit of an enticement and, you know, like the, the replay value of the game is that um, once I beat it, I can now do, I can use this other drifter and that has, I think, different abilities and um, a totally different gameplay. So it's like you're, you're playing the game for the first time again, which is really, really cool in my opinion. Um... The other game that I wanted to talk about, and I know that I'm a little bit over um, my target time, but I will I will be as brief with this as I can, um, discounting the intro the long winded introduction that I have. But anyway, I had. But anyway, um, Shovel Knight feels and operates like more like a uh, an old school platformer. Um, you can jump, you can use your shovel. That's about it. Um, you have the ability to gain items that, that give you more abilities. Um, you have every level typically has like a secret path to get to let you unlock other things. Um, but like that game, there's for me, there wasn't a whole lot of, um, Replay. It's like there's there's no enticement to go back to places that you've already beaten um, to play it again. Um, at least within like the game, they did release a, a um, I, I think it was DLC where you could play as one of the villains, like you play as Plague Knight, um, which totally changes the. You have very different mechanics. Um, it's a whole other game which I actually preferred better playing through as Plague Knight than I did as Shovel Knight. Um, which, again, I typically you'd have to beat the game first before you could play as Shovel Knight, but there's a happens to be a cheat code that if you type in, you can play as, you can unlock the Plague Knight section. Um, so that was enjoyable, but it... Um, I noticed in playing the game... One, it fed into my my weird obsessive, occasional obsessiveness that I would spend hours and hours and hours playing this game and being more and more frustrated, I felt like, with the game than myself. And I'm not entirely sure um, what, like, the difference was or why it felt like my frustration was angled more towards the game instead of me. Um... There were definitely certain areas that I kept dying in, um, but it, 
and I know that it was because I, I didn't, like, I couldn't control my character the way that I wanted to, but it felt like it was more a deficit in the, the game design and the, the game play than it was my particular skill level. Um, which, again, I'm not entirely sure why I felt that, but that's, that's how those feelings developed. Um, and when I beat, um, when I would encounter and beat or I mean like beat the bosses um it felt more like a just a like wow that is a relief I'm done with that I never want to go back to that again instead of a an actual challenge and that like there was no I didn't feel a sense of accomplishment when I when I beat these levels or these bosses it, was, it felt more procedural it's like I have to beat this thing to move on to the next area um I was also, I mean, there were certain things that I was willing to cheat with, with Hyperlight Drifter, but the, the, um, the desire or the, the tendency for me to want to do that appeared much, much later in the game than it did with Shovel Knight. I was ready to crack Shovel Knight as soon as I started playing it. Um, and there, when you, so in Shovel Knight, when you die, you lose, you, you gain, you're constantly picking up gold. Uh, and money throughout the game so you can use it to buy certain items and when you die you lose a percentage of that of that gold um, and you have the ability to get it back it's in these little money bags that have wings that are hovering around the la the place where you died um, but um, if you die trying to get that stuff back then you lose more gold so there is a definite sort of like penalty to death um <coughs> sorry where um which i feel kind of rubbed me the wrong way that you know and it's it's more or less like a one hit kill um no i no you do you have health never mind um so you you if you get hit you lose health and you lose health and then if you get hit the last time you die um but the health is kind of slow to replenish, um, unlike like Mar let's say Mario, where you know that if you're small Mario, you have one one hit and that's it. Um, if you have any sort of larger version of Mario, you can get at least like at least two hits at the most, maybe three out of it. Um, or with like Sonic, where it's all dependent upon rings, and if you get hit, you lose your rings. But the courses are lousy with rings, so even if you have one. Like, that's enough. I cannot tell you how many bosses I've beat with Sonic um, with just one ring in my reserves. Because you get hit and you just get that one ring again. Um, whereas Shovel Knight, the health is kind of um, few and far between. So it's um, it feels more of a, like, sort of an impending. Let's say if you're down on your, on your last little bit of health and you know that there's no health around like anything around to replenish it you're you're essentially just fucked um and i was definitely um i had oper i had moments where it was like well you know i might as well just die now and just restart it with more health or just like the agony of like i could die now to replenish my health but i have not reached a checkpoint yet which means that I have to go through this entire gauntlet that caused me to to lose my health in the first place. Um, which I feel like is never a good is not a good thing for a game when you're stuck between. You know, like should I just die now to get back to it, or should I push through with knowing that I'm probably going to die because I suck at this. Um, Yeah, I don't. It was it was very interesting. Um, the two. The two experiences, um, and I had seen Shovel Knight played uh, with the Game Grumps, so I kind of knew what to expect. Whereas with Hyperlight, I'd only seen some a few demos, um, and you know some of like the previews and the trailers and stuff. So I really I went into that game essentially blind. Which I think may have helped, um, 
some of the controls were a little bit sticky, but it was like it was a timing thing or it was like I just I hit the wrong I just kept hitting the wrong button. And I feel like with Shovel Knight I had more issues with the actual controls that it was I was either like it was difficult for me to hit things in the the series that I needed to hit them or I would get frazzled and I would hit the wrong button and that would lead to my death um or they weren't as responsive as I wanted them to be or they felt super super slow um that there was a little bit of like a lag between moving shovel knight in a di- or pushing the controller in a direction that I wanted him to go on him actually moving um with shovel knight it really kind of felt like i was playing through molasses there was a level of like slowness that i i wish that it would have it would be faster or maybe maybe more responsive i don't i don't know um but i mean the the story was a little bit better and a little i was a little more invested in in the story especially for plague knight um all the um The different bosses, I I mean, they're all different and unique, but I didn't feel like each that they had different strategies to beat them. It was sort of just you just wail on them in the best way that you can. Um, and you have all these gadgets, you have all these things that I'm, I mean, I assume that you can probably use them to your advantage in a very strategic way, but it didn't really feel like... Um, I don't know, it didn't really feel like they, they had a whole lot of... Um, weight when it came to like boss battles and stuff is you get this new item that you had to use to complete the level and then after that it was sort of like yeah it's in your arsenal but you know you could just use this one propeller thing and just rely on that and get through this level and it's you know you're fine um whereas hyperlight didn't really have that like all the things that you got weren't for specific purposes like i mean aside from maybe using a a gun or two to hit a switch that you couldn't hit. Um, but, you know, like if you got a weapon, you couldn't access a, a hidden area with that weapon. It was just, it just made things a little bit easier for you, or it was more powerful, or it, it offered you, a, a you know, a, a, the ability to, to hit things, to kill things in one hit instead of not killing them in one hit. Um, and even the different cloaks and stuff that you got were all... Um, you know, like one of them was it reduced the amount of energy that you used for each of the energy-based things that you did. One of them was that it it uh, doubled the amount of, or I guess half the amount of time that it would take you to recharge. So those things were useful in um, in that context. That if you were equipped with those things, um, it made everything easier, and it, didn't, it wasn't just for a particular area that you used them for. It was the the totality of, of gameplay was affected by that um so i don't know i don't know if the games are are designed for different types of players and for me games like um shadow of the colossus or like the earlier zeldas or uh, pray for the gods which is an uh, uh feels like a shadow of the colossus spiritual successor that are a little more slow and a little more based on exploration and just kind of figuring stuff out for yourself um if if i'm more calibrated for those games versus um like straight more or less straight platformers um i don't know i definitely playing uh hyperlight was a more enjoyable experience for me um indefinitely less even though i mean there were certain certain boss battles that were essentially that were very nerve-wracking but it wasn't a the entire process was i was not on the edge of my nerves whereas with shovel knight and plague knight there are definitely levels in certain areas it's like i'm anxious and stressed and i feel like this is actually like an unhealthy an unhealthy experience at least in those moments um yeah but so that's that's kind of that's my two cents um, with those two games. Um, I download I have Steam now, um, and I've I downloaded a uh, I think it's called The Last Door. Um, 
season one and season two that I played through with my partner, um, which is like a point and click adventure game. Um, which is fun and not really challenging. There's no, I mean, certain things of figuring out how, like the puzzles, but you know, puzzle games are supposed to be challenging, but there, you know, no bosses, no, nothing like that. It was just, it's the kind of, you just explore like day of the tentacle or salmon max or uh, monkey Island, those games, like games like that. Um, where you don't have life, you don't have attacks. You just, you have the ability to talk to people and dialogue options and, you know, it's more about the atmosphere and the experience of the game. Um, and like, it's essentially like a telling you a story that you have an active role in completing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm at least a little more through Hyperlight Drifter and Shovel Knight. I'm a little bit more, um, interested in, in firsthand experience of certain games. Um, I still love watching the game Grumps and Tetra Ninja um, just for the edification and, you know, it's nice, nice things to have on if I'm doing other, other stuff. Um, like I was making a bunch of journals recently and I had uh, Tetra Ninja's, the new Deus Ex game um, on in the background. So it's like, it's things for me to binge. It's kind of just, an, there's an entertainment value. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily, if this has like a conclusion or like a, this is my, this is my thesis and hypothesis that I've tested other than just things that I've noticed and um, just my own experiences with it. And that Hyperlight for me as a, to as a total experience was more enjoyable than um, Shovel Knight and slash the whole Plague Knight DLC. Um, which is not to say that Shovel Knight's a bad game. It's just was, it had me on edge, I think, in a, in a personally unhealthy and more negative way than Hyperlight Drifter did. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much all I have to say. Um, I will put the pertinent information of the two games um in the description, uh, there was an article that was written about the, the I guess, head developer of Hyperlight Drifter um, that I saw floating around about a, maybe like a month or a couple months ago that I'll see if I can find and put in the description because it was a really interesting read, although I don't remember much from it right now. Um, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, if anyone has any, if anyone has any comments or thoughts, um, feel free to reach out and talk to me. Um, next episode, uh, which should be out next week, will be a book arts book making themed episode. Um, I'll be talking to two um, two good friends, one of who was one of whom taught me how to make books. Um, so that should be super, super interesting. Um, oh, and I wanted to say, um, for the talkies, um, they're all going to be somehow like arts related, not necessarily on poetry, as I'm sure that you figured out because I'm talking about video games for this past episode. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to focus on things that are still within the artistic community and artistic mediums and I definitely think that video games um and you know games kind of in general are becoming I think more of them are entering or more of them are being touted and developed as art experiences um and the the kind the whole medium itself is expanding into this this sort of um kind of like film that there there are artistic elements in it and you you can view it as um like each each subset of it like the music or the design or the gameplay or the experience that the the audio the player has with it um are all varying levels of art um and i'm it's been interesting to track that and to, to see the games that are 
it, like, or that the the weird kind of interplay between gaming and the rest of the rest of culture and the, the how it's being monetized and how it's being marketed marketed because um, a game like Journey um, or the one where you're underwater that was done I think by the same studio um, are really kind of emotional and artistic experiences um, that you are an active participant of as opposed to a story or a movie which you are a like more or less passive um i mean you you have to create the worlds in your head um for for literature for movies i feel like you're more or less kind of a passive participant in in the the experience in the the art um painting too i mean they they engender feelings and stuff but it's it's it's, I don't know. It's like certain ones require more or less work from from the audience member, whereas games are kind of unique because you like you are you they they don't work or they don't function unless you are actively like participating in the world. And again, some of them will require more work from you than others. Um, you know, some are very procedural and very straightforward. Um, other ones like Amazing Frog or. <laughs> And cluster trucks um, change. You know, it's each experience is different upon based upon how they're being played and the context in which they're being played. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been it's been neat to see the track of art of in or it's been neat to see the track of gaming as an art medium and art like an art style. I guess I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see kind of where that leads and how, how long it'll take before it's kind of generally accepted that this is art, um, which I feel like we're pretty close to, or we may already be there. Um, I don't know. I haven't read a whole lot of, I have not gone out searching for a lot of articles on this, so I'm not entirely sure what's out there right now. Um, but yeah, it's been over an hour, so I'm going to stop talking. Um, so this is probably how the format's going to be. I'm just going to talk for a while about something that I've been thinking about. Um, I have a list of them. I don't know what the next one will be. Um, maybe Haiku, because I've been really been itching to do that. Um, let me see. Well, I can at least read you what the list is, um, just so you potentially know what's coming what's coming up i also apologize for the random hiccups and the coughs and stuff uh let's see uh yeah so um first one on the list was hyperlight drifter shovel knight which i've done uh the next one is and this is not in order this is just kind of the way that i'm um, I've been, the things that I've been thinking about or the order that I came up with them, not the order that I will do these episodes. Um, the other one is, or another one is other games like talking about point and click adventures or pray for the gods, um, or just kind of my ideas with gaming as is a culture in and of itself and how it's being overlaid or in, influenced by and how it's influencing the larger culture. Um, I have some ideas on revision, um, on haiku. Um, I'm currently I currently have a crowd uh, crowdfunding thing going on right now. Um, maybe my experience with doing that. Um, I have a writers retreat coming up, so possibly my experience with residencies and writers retreats. Um, I just went to book. I had a table at Baltimore's Book Fest last weekend. Um, so maybe that, that might be a, like a residency retreat book fest thing. I don't know. Um, I have some thoughts on publishing in general and slash running a super, 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 super small press. Um, maybe some on podcasting. Um, I don't know. Those are the ones that I have so far. Um, I will probably come up with some more. I hope that I come up with some more because it's not enough for me to get through a year or another season of this. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. 
Um, hopefully, uh, this is these are will be as enjoyable as my interviews with people. Um, if they are not, let me know, and I will stop them immediately. Um, if you like them, cool. I will continue doing it. Um, hopefully, you found this edifying or at least interesting, at the very least, entertaining. Um, yeah, so that's it for me. Um, I'm going to throw this episode together and post it uh, before it is too late in the day and I miss a uh, viewer, my a good chunk of listenership. Um, hope everyone has good a good rest of their weekend, has had a good weekend. Um, I get to see Ninja Sex Party and Starbomb tomorrow night. So if anybody follows Game Grumps, you know all about them. Um, so I'm excited and not really sure what to expect. Um, but yeah, I hope everyone has a good week. Um, I don't have anybody here to come up with a sign-off for me. Uh, so I will just say... Take a bath. Go relax somewhere. I don't know, do something that's that's chill for you. Um you deserve it you need time to be quiet and to be still so go do that i might take a nap who knows uh but until next time friends eh.